take the key off the keyboard, put it in the door lock, and as I turned it to unlock the car, I'd say, I'm the best. And I did this every single morning for about half an hour, uh, every single day at the car dealership. And I think some of it sunk in and, you know, within a year I was the best in the whole country. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how are you, man? Good, thanks, Ezra. Summer here, and there's a surf contest straight out the front. You might hear a loudspeaker here and there. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it like a local or a... They have the Hurley Australia Open. So Wow. We have... Um, this year, they've actually made it a requirement of some of the professionals that they have to attend some of the um, sort of invitationals. So we've got the top seeds here. We have some of the best surfers in the world, literally surfing straight out the front where I surf every day. And it's fantastic to see the comparison between what they can do on a crappy wave versus what I can do. It's, it's so humbling. Skill, man. I've got the opposite situation happening here. I'm looking out at like four feet of snow covering my car. I can't walk out the driveway. I've got icicles hanging from the roof. I've got, you know. Well, it sounds like perfect weather for podcast recording. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So this podcast episode is about ego. And ego is the part of you that you identify as you. It's the observer. It's, It's like refers to your sense of self, your personality resides in your ego. So ego, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think Act Get. So it's fair to say this topic will impact every single listener. Well, yeah, I mean, we all have an ego. So, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a really important part of us. And it's one that um, gets a lot of negative connotations. Like, so ego refers to our sense of ourselves, to me, like our sense of me. And a lot of times, ego has a negative connotation. People will say, oh, that person has such a big ego. Or people will talk about trying to get rid of their ego and generally talk about ego as being a negative thing. But that's not really true. Like if you don't have an ego, you wouldn't be able to exist in society. You wouldn't be able to function. What we actually want is an ego that's in balance with the other aspects of our being. So Carl Jung talks about ego as being one complex among many that make up the individual. And so what that means is that your ego is part of who you are. And it's important to recognize that you are more than your ego, but it's also important, you know, for our ego to be valued as part of ourself. And an ego that is out of balance thinks that it's at the center of the world and that everything revolves around it. And it's constantly in pain when confronted with situations and facts that seem not to fit into that perspective. And the work that we have to do of having a balanced ego is the work of discovering that while our perspective is important, it's no more important or less important than anyone else's. So like it's the work of finding your place as valuable but not central, not a central part of the universe and of realizing that while your experience will be at the center of your world, that everyone else is having the same experience about themselves and that if you take it one step higher – None of us are at the center of the entire world. Like you're at the center of your own universe and, you know, they're at the center of theirs. So basically that your perception of yourself at the center of your world doesn't put you at the center of everyone else's world. And if you, you know, if you go around thinking you're the most important thing 
in, a, in, in everyone else's world and you expect people to treat you like that, then you're up for a lot of disappointment because you're not the central thing to everyone else's world. You're only the central thing to your world. What about celebrities uh, and famous superstars? I'm sure some of them actually do feel as though they are the most important thing in other people's world. Well, you know, I actually have a note here to talk about that because like there's this thing that happens with cults of personality. It's it's a very common thing for people who are in unchecked positions of power, dictators, leaders of religious movements, Justin Bieber, to get really out of control because they're surrounded by yes people. They don't have anyone who's checking their ego. They're constantly in a situation where their perspective is considered to be the highest and best, and that then they're always the most powerful person in the room, and that ultimately ends up destroying them. Right. It says, uh, someone said, too much ego will kill your talent. So that's probably right on track, hey? Yeah, because it's like, you know, you don't have anyone who's going to tell you that your breath stinks, right? Like, if you're always the boss, and there's no one in your life that'll be straight with you, then you're in a tough spot. And, you know, if you're in a situation... Like So what we actually need is people who will disagree with us in order to live healthy and balanced lives because it's important to put ourselves in a position of seeing and taking into account other people's perspectives, particularly ones that differ from ours. So like a lot of the other topics we've had, it, it pretty much comes back to honesty. But in this case, there's a little bit of a quirk to it because in order to keep your ego in check, you have to be honest about your own you know, self-importance in you know compared to other people's self position but at i guess at at most times you're not fully aware of who you are because you're so caught up in yourself and you probably are hard to relate or understand to other people if we're walking around in a um, high-powered sort of self-mode or selfish. Well, you know, you do this very well, right? Because a well-adjusted ego is both confident in its own perspective and also accommodating of other perspectives, right? Like you're very, very confident in what you believe, but you're still willing to listen to me when I say, hey, man, what do you think about this? Like you don't shut me down. You're not just like, you know, hey, that's not the case. And if you find yourself, person who's listening to this podcast, in a situation where you're intolerant of other people's viewpoints – then there's a good chance that there's something that you don't feel right about. So you might want to take a look about at that, you know? And that's not a characteristic that you have, James. Well, I think I've been developing this over a number of years. If you go back a couple of decades, I think I was in the self-preservation, provide for my family mode, and I really had to, as we all do to some extent, we put ourselves first because only at that point can you then provide for others? So, if, you know, in the case where you're providing for children and partners and financiers <laughs> and employers, you've really got to put that strong ego on. I, mean, I, I was a top performing salesperson and I had to believe in myself. And I really had to feel that I was totally important in uh, the scheme of, you know, having the dealership function. Now, certainly the spreadsheets and the numbers showed that I was bringing in more revenue. And then when you get evidence of greatness, like accolades issued by third parties and, and peer benchmarks where you come out tops, that can lead to a strong ego. So I think the more that I have become rich in time and money and relationships, the less I've been able to – the less I need to actually draw on that ego – yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being confident in your own skills and ability. I think I've had to develop my humility more. That's right. The, the thing is I still do upset some people who would say that I have a strong ego 
And maybe I do, but it's often people who have a very poor opinion of their self who are the most upset by me. They're the ones who feel threatened by it or or jealous of it. And and I say that because, you know, that's that's one of the most common comments you'll see if you go and look at somewhere like Facebook where you have this, um, you know, anything that happens there, I'm sure people reflect back to their own self and then compare. And if it's not a satisfactory result, say you're in a tropical paradise and they're drudging it out in a, in a factory, it creates this huge friction and the comparison between their perception of you and their perception of them creates all this tension and they often unleash with a phrase like jealous. Well, you know what you're talking about is an out-of-balance ego in the opposite direction. So we just talked about an out-of-balance ego where you think you're the best and everyone else sucks and all that kind of thing. But what you're talking about is if you if, – like where people undervalue their own perspective in the world. So if you do that, you're going to constantly feel like you're less than everyone else. And it's important to realize if you may be feeling insecure and confident that your perspective is as valid as anyone else's regardless of – of what you hold valuable and where you may or may not be in relationship to that. So what I mean that is like on an absolute value level, your experience in the world is as valuable as those experiences of the people that you deem to be higher in position than you, whether it's with class or appearance or power or gender or all these things that we assign as being greater or less than. There's like those are arbitrary assignations and it's important to remember that in your life, your perspective is of the utmost value and if you're not going to put yourself first – then who else is going to do that for you? So if you don't value yourself, it's really unlikely that anyone else will. And it's actually the nicest thing that you can do for other people is to value yourself and take care of yourself because that's the only way that you're going to have surplus to take care of anyone else. And it's important to know yourself well uh, when you're going into a situation. So like, for example, if you're aware of the things that trigger you and you're aware of the things that you're sensitive about and insecure about, then you can be you know, you can be more confident going into situations with people and you can operate from a kinder place with less fear. So let's say you're in a meeting and someone says something that hits on one of your insecurities. Well, that has the opportunity to send you into a tailspin and you could feel really bad about yourself or get really defensive. And those are those reactions would be coming from your ego because your feelings would be hurt. And that's like your ego defending your sense of who you are from something that hurts. But the thing is, if someone tells you something that makes you feel bad, it only makes you feel bad if you believe it. So, for example, if you were to tell me, hey, Ezra, I think you're a broccoli, that would have no effect on me because I don't believe that. But if you were to say something that I have something going on, like, oh, I think that, you know, you know, your, 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 I don't know, your ability in e-commerce is lame or you say something that like would hurt my feelings. It only hurts my feelings if I give that reality, if I actually believe that. Or I think you're like, let's say I had a lot of pimples and you were to comment on that. That would make me feel bad because I believe that I'm less than because this thing is going on. So my point here is that by knowing yourself well and being aware of your insecurities, you can be prepared for that. So if you're in a situation and someone's like, oh, that's a dumb idea. When you feel the sting of that thing, you can say to yourself, oh, like this is something that I feel insecure about. That hurts. And you can identify that and handle it well instead of like flying off the handle. That's how cult leaders, they make psychological arguments that really hedge around what they suspect someone's thinking. Exactly. It's a good way to manipulate people. Well, I walked past a uh, certain religious organization that has a science sort of bent to it in the city recently. And they had a signboard out the front and it said free personality testing. Oh, yes. We've discussed you know, these people. So that is, that is such a uh, simple way to attract someone who's thinking, 
gee, I wonder what sort of person I am. Like they're already open to the idea that they don't know if they need an audit, right? So they're just at the very start of that ladder, the long expensive ladder that it can lead to. And just increment by increment, people can shape your ego the way they want, I suppose. Totally. I mean, it's easy to manipulate people if you know what they believe about themselves. You can just tell them that and you know that – like you can tell someone who thinks that they're fat that they're fat and you're going to make them feel bad because you know that they think that about themselves. And when we talk about the ego in both directions, let's talk about it in relationship to the people that you work with. And I'm going to ask you about your team after I say this. But I think it's an important characteristic to look for in people, especially people you're doing business with. Like look at a potential business partner through the lens of how does this person handle conflict and differences of, of opinion of their own? Like is this person always need to be right or, or are they willing? to consider other viewpoints. And then on the other end of the spectrum is someone that you're considering doing business with able to express their viewpoints or are they always just going to go along with you? Because what you want is people who are going to speak up and share their perspective but not like, you know, be only stuck on that one perspective because what ego is is it's the balance of being able to value your perspective and value other people's perspectives, which I actually think you're quite good at. People might say you have a big ego, but I, I think that you've, yes, you value your perspective very highly, but you don't discount the perspective of others. That's not, a, not something that you do. Well, it's something I learned from high level communications, especially selling, is I had to be able to walk a mile in the other person's shoes. I had to exactly. transport myself across the desk and imagine I was that person to truly understand their motivation. And what would be fair and reasonable expectation on their behalf based on where they got their information, what they know about the situation. I read a lot of negotiation books and most of them will help you start thinking about how everyone can come away from a transaction feeling okay about it. It's not a win-lose scenario. People don't enter negotiations right. hoping to come out of it as a loser. Every, everyone goes in wanting to be a winner and sometimes by being able to see the world through someone else's point of view, you can relate and you know this situation comes up just to, just to tie it back to what you asked about staff, these things do come up where there'll be little changes and it can send some ripples through certain people, especially in the case where someone refers a workmate for example. They've now got an emotional vesting in that person being successful because mm -hmm. they referred them and their ego is on the line. If that person doesn't succeed, they will feel attached to it. So we have to get in and understand their motivation and that means that they might have a certain bias, that they might be feeling very emotional about decisions that would normally be just normal business decisions. So we have to take all of these things into account. And again, coming back to how honest we want to be to confront this is when all the growth happens, when all the solutions happen. When it's pointed out, it's so obvious in hindsight and uh, it's easy to fix. Well, you know, it's, it's also a, a good thing to, to take a look at. Like we'll get people who when are offered, you know, like who, who will say, you know, oh, I want to, um, you know, I want this or that service or what they'll, they'll come along and I'll say, Hey, you know, the masterminds probably a good fit for you. But they say, Oh, I don't, I don't join masterminds because I'm already so advanced, but it's like, 
you have to be willing to also be a student and know that you still have things to learn because if you don't, then you're halting your potential growth. Exactly. Like if you're unwilling to, you know, admit that you still have things to learn. Yes, you may be an expert, but what does every Olympic athlete have? They have a coach, you know? Well, most of them. There are some great examples of, you know, the occasional athlete who doesn't have a coach. And I like to think of those because I'm actually one of the few people who doesn't really have a specific coach or mentor. But I'm okay with that. Well, you're in a tough spot too. You know, you're really in the like Justin Bieber religious cult leader spot more than most people, as am I, because most of the time you are the most powerful person in your world because you've set it up so that you don't work for anyone. You make your own money. You're like you're in you're in more control of your universe than most people. And that's actually hard because then there's not, you know, if you don't give yourself if you don't like have people in your life who can tell you the truth, then that can be tough, you know? You know, if I think back to the early days, Ezra, a lot of this came from self-development, um, actual structures that allowed me to bolster my self-belief. And I can specifically remember back in about 1995, so 20 years ago, I was um, opening up the cars on the, the BMW lot in the rain with the big heavy keyboard and an umbrella. I was the only one doing it because none of the other salespeople would help me. And I'd open up every single car and I'd been listening to Brian Tracy and in his, in his cassettes he says, you should repeat to yourself, I like myself and I'm the best. And I used to take the key off. This was before remote controls, by the way, 20 years ago. There weren't many remote controls. Take the key off the keyboard put it in the door lock and as I turned it to unlock the car I'd say I'm the best and I did this every single morning for about half an hour uh, every single day at the car dealership and I think some of it sunk in and you know within a year I was the best in the whole country you know and it's it's true that it's more common that people have an underinflated ego than an overinflated ego it's more common that people don't feel like they're good enough, then feel like they're better than everyone. And I think that a lot of the self-help stuff out there is out there. There's a lot of content out there that supports people in the belief that they are good enough. And the truth of the matter is you are good enough and you are smart enough and you are able enough to do whatever you want. And if you believe that, it makes things a lot easier than if you don't, because if you don't, then you're screwed. Exactly. So I think we can actually program ourselves we have to be careful what we program ourselves with. If we're always saying negative things, totally. then our um, experience in the world and the way that we relate to the world can all be reflecting this um, negative perception like a mirror. Yeah. And it's a good point when we talk about, you know, what are we, how are we programming ourselves? That goes beyond self-talk. What kind of content are you consuming on a daily basis? Are you just watching four hours of sitcoms? You know what I mean? That like do nothing for you and like filling yourself with that? Or are you consuming stuff that's beneficial to you? What kind of food are you consuming? Like consumption is beyond internal self-talk. Now, internal self-talk is probably the most important part. But, you know, you're consuming stuff all the time that you may not even realize is detrimental to you. All right. Where to from here, my friend? To the wager, baby. We're rolling Carol. Weekly willpower wager. Thank you, Carol. So what are you insecure about, listener? Is it your looks? Is it your smarts? Is it the amount of knowledge that you have in some area? Is it, 
you know, your weight is, you know, is it the amount of money you make? Like what, what are the things that you're insecure about in your life? Is it your relationship? Is it like, where are you not feeling the best? And like, be, are you willing to take a week and have a look at that and be willing to acknowledge like, Hey, I'm insecure about this thing. And so that you can know that when that comes up, you're more sensitive to that and you can account for that. You can accommodate for that. The goal is not necessarily to release your insecurities, although it's nice to not be insecure, uh, but everyone has insecurities. That's just a part of life. So the goal is to acknowledge what your insecurities are and be aware of them so that when they come up, you can factor them in and behave accordingly and know that you're, that, that what you're feeling is an insecurity. Yep. So take a look at that this week. Let us know what you're insecure about. I know it can be tough, but you know, expressing it can release that insecurity. You know, as as a kid in 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 grade school and high school, I was really insecure about my looks. I really wanted to fit in and look a certain way and that was tough for me. And I've really <laughs> given that up, you know, quite a long time ago, but but I struggled with that. You know, I spent 30 minutes in front of the mirror blow drying my hair and the whole nine, you know. Do you think you'll ever get a number one haircut, Ezra? A number one haircut? What is that? Just like a buzz cut like mine. You know, I, I had one. I used to have one. I, I used to have one. No, but what about now? Well, now I'm pretty attached to my hair. See, the thing was, I always wanted long hair, but I never was willing to grow it out. I never was willing to do the work. The trouble is, by the time you're 45 or 50, you'll actually look 45 or 50. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can't be an like, old dude with super long you're hair. You're in your I, 20s, right? Yeah, yes, I am. It's but, like all these hipsters, they look 50 and they're, they're only like 22 years old <laughs> because they've got these long hair and beards like an old man. <laughs> If you were to shave your hair off, you would look your age. Yeah, you know, that's true. If I were to shave my beard, I'd look younger. I've not met a single person who would who thinks that you're in your twenties. Nobody does. I look no I one. also look you know, I just look a little older, but I think that look that works well when you are in your early twenties if you want to look older to get the respect and maturity. That's well that was what it was initially. That's why I grew the beard. And that's what happened to me at uh, BMW. I people constantly saying you look too young to sell me a BMW. So I got fancier ties, <laughs> nicer clothes, glasses. I mean, I initially grew my beard out to sneak into casinos. Right. Well, uh, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I think uh, it'd be really interesting to get an audience reaction. Should Ezra make a style change that would reflect his true age? That's hilarious. I will at some point. I don't know about how soon. Carrie quite likes my hair, and that's another factor. I don't think she's going to go for it, and she's really the boss around here. But I do. I don't imagine that I'll keep my hair long forever. I think once I get older, you know, forties, whatnot, I'll probably cut cut it back. Because um, you know, once it starts turning gray and stuff. Um, anyways, let's talk about news and updates. You got an event coming up, right? Pretty soon. Yes, less than one month now. Uh, One hundred and fifty tickets sold. That is incredible. First of all, one hundred and fifty tickets, and I would imagine half of those people are from international. There's a pretty good international contingency. They're flying in from London. The U.S., New Zealand, uh, Dubai, uh, Europe. Very, very excited that it has such a reach. The the things that make this event special are the quality of the the speakers. Um, they're all genuine experts in their field. They're there to give content and to meet people. They're they're there for the whole event. And then there's the lifestyle aspect thrown in. It, I can imagine there'll be a few people surfing after the sessions and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty bummed about missing it. <laughs> But I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are really stoked about going, and it's, it's by far one of the best events you'll find in this community. So if you've, if you've been thinking about it, it's kind of last chance, I'd imagine. Get, your, get yourself together. I don't know. There's always tickets sold right, right up to the morning of the event for some reason. People do leave things to deadlines. 
and yeah, it always has this last minute spike. But I'm very, very keen. I'm, I've been sort of focused on uh, working on my content and making sure the event runs smoothly. That's been something I'm working on in the background. But I'm really, really keen. One of the best things too about this year is it pretty much sold itself because of the automation that we put into the sales cart and my autoresponder and the video sequences that we shot with the help of uh, my friend Jake did the autoresponders, Jake Hauer. And Ryan Spanger did the videos. And once we, I spent one day making the videos with Ryan, and Jake went into my system and hooked up all these autoresponders and email messages. And we, we did this probably five months ago, four months ago. Since then, I haven't actually had to do anything other than my regular podcasting to promote the event. Wow. And um, a couple of Facebook ads with my friend Lenny. And there you go. It's it's really been the the easiest one for me to put on so far. And it's just me, remember. There's no event manager or anything. I just literally walk down to the hotel here, book a room, sign the contract, and um, then we turn on this automation. And at the event, we'll actually be sharing the sequences we sent and the results we got and what we learned from this process with things like video heat maps and... Um, upsells and cross-sells, etc. Super Fast Business Live. Highly recommended. My favorite event. Not going to work for me to come out, but, you know, hopefully next year. Gives you another year to practice your surfing. Yeah, it gives, I mean, God, good luck, man. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty far behind on that, <laughs> on that one now. Um, yeah, that was like what I was most looking forward to. I mean, the event's great, but the surfing, there's you know, there's nothing like that. The other news thing is um, I've really refined what I'm teaching in Silver Circle to recurring subscription models. It's, I've been doing that business model for about seven years. I've been teaching it most of last year. The bulk of members are now have a recurring subscription for either coaching slash information products or business services. And... I'm very, very keen on recurring income. It's one of the most important things ever. I've been working so hard on the models and the frameworks for it. There's a lot of information out there. There's new books on it. John Murillo just published one called The Automatic Customer, Essential Reading. But now I've got these people, you know, some of them adding 100 or 80 members a month or several hundred members a month to their communities and stockpiling uh, a fantastic recurring income. And that's what I'm focusing on. Silver Circle's been closed for quite some time and at some point I'll open it up when I've reset the templates for maximum success. So that's something I'm really excited about at some point. You know, I mean, you taught me recurring subscription. I was I was toying with it. I did. You, you sort of started Smart Marketer from I did. very humble I did. beginnings. <laughs> and it's going well, man. It's, it's a... <laughs> it's a Seven-figure business. And, of course, alongside those things are things such as podcasting. I, I think the number one lead source for my business is podcasting. So I make sure that I assist people to set those up and basically all, all the stuff I've learned. What have you got going on, Ezra? You, you're easing off your travel schedule a little bit? Yeah, well, we'll talk about that more in the next episode. It's sort of a central focus of, of the episode that we will record next. But I've, I've reopened my e-commerce community, which was closed for several months. I put it onto a new platform and it's an annual subscription now instead of monthly, which gives me a little bit more ability to focus on each customer, which I like. And I'm reopening my blue ribbon mastermind shortly with it with a little bit of a twist. Um, so I'm just kind of getting back in the groove and getting stable 
which I'm looking forward to talking about here on an upcoming episode. Nice. So let's move on to comments. If, if you are enjoying Think I Get, and I know I got a lot of, I get, I've been getting emails being like, dude, where did Think I Get go? I loved the fluidity episode, which was last episode. I get them too. I just say, um, send, it, send Ezra an email. <laughs> send Ezra an email. It's hard to get that guy on the phone. Get uh, that guy so on the show. Get him. If you've got you know, from some feedback for us. If you enjoy our podcast, uh, we'd love to hear about it. You can leave us a, a speak pipe voicemail through our website. You can comment on our blog at thinkiget.com or you can go to iTunes, which would be our preferred, um, you know, mode of, of reviews and leave us a review on iTunes because that would help us get more listeners to the podcast. So Bernie on the hustle episode said, Hey guys, I know this comment's a, a little bit late, but I've only listened to this podcast now. It may not be relevant now or of, to, or of much use because Ezra's probably moved out of a little cabin next to the graveyard. I have, by the way. But I thought it'd be interesting to share how I've always used graveyards since I was a child at the age of 12. I loved them. I think there's an element of mystery and romance in a graveyard. I've always been very curious and seen the tombstones as celebrations of life. It saddens me when I just see a name and date, but when there's a line or two about the person or the family members buried next to each other, I get caught up in the possible stories of their lives, and when I see something written in honor of them on a tombstone, it makes me smile. A different perspective, and Ezra, if you're still near the graveyard, I hope this uplifts you whenever you see it. Uh, thanks, Bernie. That's a good way to look at it, man. Wow. Because you remember I was saying that you know b- being uh, next to the graveyard was confronting me with the fact that I'm going to die someday, and that was pretty heavy. Yes. Well, we are all going to die, as it turns out, so there's no point tiptoeing through life to get to death safely, is there? And that's why... Uh, this ego episode's been really interesting. We've talked about having too much ego, too little ego. The fact that you can change the way that you think about yourself. Either you can take on that responsibility yourself or you could be just strolling down through the city and uh, be attracted by a sandwich board offering to tell you all about yourself. And if you believe it, then you you might have a permanent change, but it may not be for the best. Who knows? So be very considerate about other people's perspective and in, in their position in the world. It's the more that we can detach from our own position and have a look at other people's point of view. I think the more everything seems to make sense. And uh, f- you know, from my own per- point of view, I'm certainly working on the humility now that I feel that I have a strong sense of who mm. I am and what I can and can't do. And uh, so I am focused a little more on, on trying to be. Uh, helpful to other people from their position. Totally. You want to do this next one? It's pretty long. I would, except I don't. I'm not even using the show notes, so I'm not sure where they are. For example. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Well, I'll do it. It's from Purakai, which is not. It's not. I think the guy's name is William, but Purakai is his clothing company. He says, "Hey guys." Love the conversations on the podcast. As an e-commerce entrepreneur, I love your discussions. I met Ezra a couple times in San Diego the past couple of years and got some great advice from him from his meetup talks and look forward to getting plugged more into one of the mastermind groups. I was listening to your banter about fashion. I've got a solution. I hooked up – this may be a pitch actually. I hooked up Ezra with one of our super premium made in California t-shirts, which we call Amazingly Comfortable. Perhaps Ezra could attest. It is a very comfortable t-shirt. And what's great is that they're made from ocean-friendly organic cotton as a surfer James could appreciate that. Solves both needs. Also, I heard Ezra talking about marketing models, saying some people are focused on this model and that is not sustainable. And I'd figure I'd chime in because you guys are great at connecting the dots on complicated subjects. And this ties into both of your passions and deep thinking minds. Believe it or not, the fashion industry is one of the largest polluting industries on earth. As a lifelong surfer – 
spear fisherman, hunter, as well as part-time yogi, I feel I have an obligation to be mindful about consumption, which is why I created the business to help protect our ocean playground. Clearly, our current model of consumption is not sustainable. After listening to 20-plus hours of you guys talking, it seems you're uh, probably more on the mindful side of consumption. So perhaps you guys could do an episode on business, mindfulness, and giving back. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think he makes a good point that, you know, we live in a consumption-driven economy and that consumption is sold really heavily to us. I personally do not have a problem with consumption. I think consumption is a good thing and it's a lot of fun. I do have a problem with consumption with the lack of attention on, like, who it's affecting. So, like, you know, I think that, that there's a lot of big corporations that are doing a lot of, you know, bad stuff like polluting oceans and, you know, destroying animals and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a bit hard to know that the fashion industry is definitely one of them. It, it's hard to know, you know, like you can't just say I'm not going to participate in society because society is bad for the earth, right? And there's, there's a lot of parts of – otherwise, you're just living on the fringes in a tent. So you want to participate in society and also be mindful of that you vote with your wallet and the things that you – you know, that, that like – the things that you're buying do have an effect on other parts of, you know, beyond just this package that you unwrapped. Like, was it made in China in a sweatshop? I mean, these are things that are important to to look at. Um, and so I agree with him. And I also um, sometimes feel a little bit hopeless in that endeavor. Like, you know, it, you also don't want to spend all of your time researching whether or not you're making the right move. So it's a bit of a tough one. Yeah, I, like I, I do feel disconnected from that. I'm absolutely not some sign waving hippie protester you know i i drive a german built v8 i have an iphone on my desk some of my clothes were made in peru and vietnam and china etc i don't i don't know is the short answer i don't know which things are killing the earth or not which companies are evil or not i know not much about it but i do know that i don't like throwing out food from my fridge i like to consume everything i buy and i use recyclable bags instead of plastic because it does bother me when i'm surfing and i see plastic bags floating around in the the sea so i i don't feel as though i'm uh, consciously reckless or you know contributing to devastation at a personal level other than i'm absolutely certain some of the things that i use aren't the best option but I'll be damned if I'm driving around some electric little pus box, you know, those trendy little electric cars because those things cost twice as much to buy and this, they actually cost a lot to manufacture apparently. So, Well, there's also no proof that those batteries that are used in those cars are any – Plus, I don't, I just don't, it doesn't turn me on at all. Like, it's not very exciting. Well, I feel like you've got to pick your battles, you know what I mean? And it's important. Yeah. It, it's important to have attention on this. And I think that, um, you know, good on Purikai for taking a, a stance. Yeah. And I try not to break my surfboard because uh, and then it'll last a lot longer, exactly. right? So, that, you know, that's a tough one. Maybe we should do a, you know, good, good suggestion. It is hard, but it's definitely not. Well, I'd have to get an outside influence on this one. It's, it's very far removed from my thing. And I, I'm not really in the giving back mode yet for some reason. I don't mind employing people. I don't mind creating value for other people. That's my way of giving back. And I pay a ton of tax. Uh, and I support a lot of mouths, you know, family directly indirectly and employees like all of that side i'm fine with i feel very good about 
what we're able to contribute to the Philippines economy, the amount of money we send over there in wages that gets reinvested back into the country. But on a, you know, I don't know anything about this sustainable manufacture or whatever. Good, good uh, suggestion there, Purikai. Um, now we'll move on to Carol in the fluidity episode. She says, good will power wager for me. She said, I was rigid and closed-minded about a certain professional autoresponder. I refuse to let go of fear about something in their terms of service. Well, 2015 is going to be the year of big growth for me, so I signed up. I even shocked myself. Um, that's interesting. Good one, Carol. Carol's going well. Actually, I keep an eye on Carol in our community, and she's doing well. Carol seems like someone who would be doing well. She's a she's, trooper. She's good that way. She's not deterred by by uh, no. you know, distractions and not things that don't work out. Do you are you keeping your quote? You want me to tell you what it is? Tell me what it is, and then I can decide. Okay, all right. I'll tell you what it is. Avoid having it's by Colin Colin Powell. Avoid having your ego so close to your position that when your position falls, your ego goes with it. Yeah, I like that. I, and I saw an example of that this week where someone took a position that was very ego-driven and it was going to cost them massively. It was, it was a bad position to take. But through a discussion, I was able to help that person change their position without feeling that their ego was at stake. And you know, being able to just see things from their point of view helped me reframe things to make it all make sense and then we were able to proceed through. But so, yeah, that's like the, um, Captain Smith who went down with the Titanic. You know, he held his position right to the end. Um, okay, I'm glad you liked it and I'm glad you kept it. The one that I have, uh, by the way, that was by Colin Powell, is by Margaret Mead. And what she says is that you are absolutely unique just like everyone else. And so that's kind of that thing of like, you know, valuing yourself and your position and your knowledge and the things that you know and the person who you are, as well as valuing everyone else and, and being able to, you know, make, make the distinction between the importance of you and your world and the importance of other people in their world. And, you know, being able to, yeah, being able to value yourself and also not, you know, undervalue other people. So I like it for that reason. So this is Think, Act, Get. Uh, where we talk about mindset, behavior, and results. And our focus is to improve your life and your business. And everything is directed at you. The reason we do this podcast is for you, the listener. So what you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. This has been episode 53 on ego. And ego is the part of you that you identify as you. It's the observer. It's It refers to your sense of self and your personality resides in your ego. So ego, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. Beautiful. Thanks, Ezra. Thanks, James. I'll see you on the next one. All right. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.